trees went out to name themselves the king. This is Grace Talks, a production of Martin UMC, an open and inviting United Methodist Church in Martin, Michigan, a co-charge with Shelbyville United Methodist Church, which worships on Sunday at 11 a.m. Martin worships Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and we would love to see you there. But the olive tree said, should I stop making all that I know as human beings? Our scripture text today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24. But about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so shall be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, they were marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. And then they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away, and so too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken and the other will be left. So keep awake, for, though, for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, God our Lord and Savior. Amen. There's a saying I found once, and that is, Advent begins in the dark. Which is perhaps the core truth of Advent. One that we miss amidst the hustle and the bustle of a world that's so preoccupied with Christmas lights and Christmas shopping and Christmas parades and Santa and so much more. And yet here in the first week of Advent, in the season where we take a breath as the church and consider, Advent begins in the dark. In a secular world where we don't take the Christ out of Christmas and dated Starbucks red cup jokes, Advent gives us something different. It gives us a theme of waiting, a theme of patience, a theme of preparing. Prepare for the day of the Lord. Repent, for the kingdom of God has come near. Advent is a time of anticipation, not celebration. It's a time where we reflect on what it means to not lose hope in Christ's coming. If Christ's coming were a sudden thing, it would not come like a thief in the night. It would not be so sudden, so unexpected. The chapter this passage today comes from is all about that theme of waiting, of being prepared for the coming of the Lord, and yet always invariably being taken unaware. Just as people would blink and miss that first coming of Christ, all too often we ourselves today run the risk of blinking and missing the second. 
a man we see begging on the street, a family asking for food, an immigrant asking for shelter, the sick or the prisoner asking for a visit. These are the blink-and-you-missed-it moments. These are the blink-and-you-missed-Christ moments. But what is it that holds us back from giving ourselves fully to each other? All too often, the answer seems to be fear. If you ask a child, as we did today during Children's Moment, if we ask someone what it is that we're afraid of, we will undoubtedly get those common responses that we got today. Rats and heights and bats and spiders and snakes and hippos in the dark. Thunderstorms. Icy roads. Failure. But if we dig a little deeper, if we act a little more honestly, what we find is that all of these fears point towards something a little more true. And if we dig past these fears, we find our deeper fears, the ones we're actually afraid to talk about. What is it that we're afraid of? We're afraid of our children hating us. We're afraid of not having enough. We're afraid of aging. We're afraid of disease. We're afraid of violence. We're afraid of losing someone we love. We're afraid of never finding love in the first place. We're afraid of loneliness. We're afraid of not being remembered. We hold these fears with us, but even these, if we dig deeper still, we find another layer. Because just as with these childish, these childish fears, these fears that are easy to talk about, and just like these fears that are harder to talk about, there's another layer still that is even harder to talk about, and yet every one of these point towards, and that is fear of the unknown. And when we cut through that, fear of the unknown is a fear of suffering, and fear of suffering is a fear of death, death is the greatest fear. Death is the one thing, the one moral reality that all of creation, atheist and Christian alike, believe in. In our age, in the world we live in, in our culture, we are living in a state of constant fear, and we have been for at least half a century, but in all reality, more. And it all ties back to that fear of the unknown. It all too often ties back to that fear of death. What happens all too often is we place that fear of the unknown upon other human beings, and other human beings become the unknown. In the days of the Cold War, we feared the outsider for they might be a Russian, they might be a communist. In the drug war, we fear the outsider, for they may be a dealer, they may be a transporter, they may be a ne'er-do-well. In the war on terror, we fear the outsider, for they may intend to harm us. In the age of the crackdown on any and all immigration in America, legal or otherwise, we fear the outsider, for they may bring drugs or crime, or they may be rapists. 
In today's text, we tackle some of the fear we hold, the fear of the what if, the fear of the when. Fear causes sin. Sin is the breaking of relationships. When we see sin occur all throughout the Bible, it's not just a list of rules that's broken, it's something that breaks relationships. Mother Teresa in her life once said, if we have no peace, it's because we have forgotten that we belong to one another. Fear causes us to forget to care about our neighbor. Fear causes us to separate ourselves, to tie ourselves into tighter groups while becoming more suspicious of the outsider, becoming more suspicious of the other. Fear causes us to retreat back into a more tribalistic mentality to lose trust in our neighbor. The truth about life, the one certainty is that it is uncertain. The one certainty about life is that we are entering the unknown at every moment. We have a God who is faithfulness, who is love and hope and joy themselves, and yet we still worry. We still fear and we still cry out in anxiety and desperation, and we still face suffering. We still meet death on a daily basis. And why is this? And perhaps that's the most frightening answer of all, the answer that sometimes maybe there is no why. No great lesson to be learned amidst the suffering, and that's why suffering is evil. That's why death is evil, because it lacks meaning. It lacks purpose. It lacks substance. It lacks reason, or what the Scripture would call the logos. It lacks Christ. That is why it is evil. To pull back then to that theme of walling ourselves off, of closing ourselves off from others, of separating ourselves, despite all the work of empathy, despite all the things we do to share our lives together, we still have this tendency to let fear remain in our hearts. As I said, in children's moment, there's a common phrase which appears at least 70 times in the Bible and probably more, and that phrase is, fear not. Don't be afraid. And perhaps what this is telling us is that God is speaking to us through the witness of his people. God is reminding us not to fear. The truth of the text today, this idea of this moment, this day of the Lord coming, whether we're ready for it or not, is that the truth comes when we don't, or the unknown comes when we don't expect it. Two men are standing in the field, two women are standing and making bread, and one is taken and the other is left behind. The unknown, that which we fear, comes at times that is unexpected. Death comes unannounced. Death doesn't respect people or status 
or race or creed. It doesn't discriminate between sinner or saint. It takes the average day-to-day and it makes it uncertain. It makes it unknown. Are we ever prepared for death? Are we ever prepared for the news of a disease? Are we ever prepared for the news of violence, for the news of suffering in any form? We're always caught unaware. To live into Jesus Christ, to live into the eternal life that Christ promised is to live and begin to live without the fear of death, which is easier said than done. We can, re- we can recognize the power of death. We can hate death with a perfect hatred, but in our lives we should be learning to fear it less. Death is defeated. And fortunately, if we think it's impossible, the church has a word for recognizing and celebrating those who live without fear of death, even if it was just a moment. In the church, we celebrate the martyrs. We remember the men and the women who lived their life for God. And while the world and the culture have taken this word martyr and twisted it into something beyond what it was intended to be for, turned it into thoughts of suicide bombers or terrorists, to be a martyr is to live a life for God. To be a martyr is to live as someone who faces death and suffering and refuses to renounce God, refuses to stop pursuing the good. These are the people who held so tightly to the truth of God's promise, of God's goodness and love for others that not even death could break it. People who held to doing the right thing for their neighbor so tightly that not even death could stop them. To live our lives for God, to live for the good, to live for our neighbors is not an unattainable goal. If it were, then we might as well close our doors right now, walk out, and never come back. But to do the right thing, to pursue God amidst all the worries of life, all the struggles and all the suffering and all the fear, to break through our fear, our fear of the unknown, our fear of death, is to live in the life of the Christ who frees us from death, to live in the life of the Christ who gives us life eternal. who shows us that we are loved, all of us, and we are worthy of being loved. In a few moments, we'll enter into communion, and there I will do something a little different during our moment of confession. I want to take time in communion to give us a moment to confess our fears. To sit with that question, what are we so afraid of? And I hope that we can release some of it. I hope that we can begin to lay some of our fears at the foot 
of the cross, to lay our fears on Christ, to work towards leaving some of it behind and recognizing that through the work of the Spirit, we have the capacity, we have the ability to learn to fear not. Fear, if properly recognized, if overcome, can achieve some of the most beautiful things. It can heal divides. It can break barriers. But it has to be recognized. It has to be brought to the light. Advent is a time where we prepare for the coming of the Christ who reaches into the darkness and illuminates it. Unidentified fear blinds us. It moves us towards irrationality. There is perhaps nothing more destructive in the world than fear. To quote Star Wars a moment, fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger, and anger leads to hate, and hate leads to suffering. We should note that George Lucas, who wrote that, was a Methodist. Fun fact. It is not evil for evil's sake that has caused the worst offenses in human, in human history. There's no mustache-twirling villain out there saying, today I'm going to perform evil. It's people who are afraid and trying to pursue what they think is good. Offering themselves to things that we hope will save us things that will save us from fear and save us from worry and save us from death. In Isaiah 28, there's a reference that the prophet offers that describes how the people of Israel have made a covenant with death or at least believe that they have. They believe that they've made a covenant with death. They believe that they've made an arrangement with grave. They have come to believe that when the overwhelming scourge comes, it will not come to them. They have made lies their refuge and they have taken shelter in falsehood. But what the prophet tells us is that God proves to the people that their covenant with death will be annulled for their agreement with the grave will not stand. Things of the earth won't save us. Corporate greed and technology and money and violence, things fastened by human hands, the works of our hands, idols, these things will never save us. God alone, service to the good, love for God and love for neighbor, this is our salvation. This is what causes us to look at our neighbor and see not someone we should be afraid of, but to see a neighbor. Love. This is our salvation. This is our hope. This is our advent. Amen.